This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about late bloomers. I do have a, a, a post about this, but it's a really popular topic because, uh, for reasons I will discuss, men who are late bloomers tend to think that they are kind of the only freak in this embarrassing situation, and in reality, a, they're often not even late bloomers by any real metric, and B, like this is a very common source of insecurity uh, for men who have, you know, uh, had all sorts of sexual histories, as I will get to. And so uh, somebody asked for this to be a podcast in my Facebook group, so I'm going to do it. And please do subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode was why on was why everybody should not go to therapy, and who should and who shouldn't. So that was uh, something that I just recorded and that I am sure that you will like, particularly if you have ever thought about therapy more broadly, like, man, you know, like, I wonder if everybody should just go to therapy. And you'll probably be interested in my thoughts about that being as I'm a therapist. All right. So late bloomers. So I have guys coming in saying they were late bloomers when they didn't have sex till they were like, you know, after their mid twenties and guys who didn't have sex till they were, you know, in college thinking that they were late bloomers because they didn't have sex when they were in high school. And then I have guys who had, you know, like, uh, everything, but, you know, through college, but then were a late bloomer because they didn't, you know, like it's like all sorts of stuff, you know, or like a guy who came into his own in his like mid twenties or late twenties and started to date a lot and slept with a whole bunch of women and but still considers himself a late bloomer because before that it was only one woman or whatever. It's like a whole range. There's like really no commonality with these guys except that they all feel deeply insecure and kind of like freaks and like they missed out on some integral experiences that comprise manhood and adolescence and they frequently relate their discomfort or lack of success with women whether it was with dating later on or in their marriages they they frequently attribute this to their lack of experience early on and or the related lack of confidence that this lack of experience led to. So the reality is that there are no that there's no like real cutoff for what makes a man a late bloomer. It's really how you think about it. And there's a whole range as I said of actual experiences that all make men think that they are still somehow late bloomers. What I do notice as commonalities is that these guys frequently were raised in sex negative households and they have some um, anxiety and shame around sex and that that they frequently attribute that um, to their lack of early success but in reality it's uh, very bi-directional and if there was a 
causation arrow, I would say that it goes from the shame and the negative thoughts about sex to the lack of success with women. Whereas the guys usually say, because, you know, I didn't get a lot of experience, then, you know, I lost my confidence. I didn't have any confidence. It's really the opposite. It's like guys who are very conflicted about women and about sex and have a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and shame and were were raised in um, households where they didn't see a lot of affection and they kind of have no real idea what affection looks like in real life, you know, between two people, except if they're watching television, you know, guys like that are going to strike out with women, you know, and guys with attachment issues, guys with insecure attachment, particularly uh, preoccupied or more often fearful avoidant attachment, which I have done a podcast about, the one where you have a really difficult childhood, so you end up like like having components of both preoccupied and avoidant, you know, um, attachment. So it's more like uh, they, they, they want very badly to be with women, but then they're also scared of women and kind of hate women, like those guys. Like that stuff is, is like, um, you know, it's like cologne. Like the women can sniff it on you. And so they're not responding to that you're like not good looking or that you're not, um, you know, athletic or something. They're responding to the fact that you seem kind kind of, um, you know, weird and difficult around women because that's how you feel. And the reason that you feel like that is frequently because of these two things, either having a very sex negative household that you grew up in and or, and of course there's going to be a lot of overlap with this, seeing a very difficult marriage, you know, or um, having seen your parents go through a conflictual divorce or having one parent cheat on the other parent or like something where you learn not to trust relationships. So if you grew up with like, let's say a narcissistic mother, are you going to be really uh, into women? And I mean, you, you, you're certainly really into women you certainly want to have sex with women and you fantasize about it all the time but do you really want to be in a relationship with a woman as much as you may say yes everything that you were trained in your subconscious is shouting no because you don't trust women you don't trust them not to be like your mom you don't trust them not to be dangerous to uh, trust or to be close to so the worse your relationship is with your parents and the more conflict you see between them then the more ambivalence you're going to have about adolescent relationships and young adult relationships because you literally still in your family home you're still seeing all of this shit you're still interacting with these negative attitudes towards sex and relationships that are being internalized from the home that you live in and then simultaneously in high school you're supposed to just you know somehow magically enter into a mutually loving you know high school sweetheart relationship I mean how likely is that it's very unlikely to be able to do that without a template you know, and it's just a learned behavior. Guys who are seeing happily married parents are more comfortable and confident. They kind of think of themselves as a guy who will one day be happily married. And so when they have like a little girlfriend when they're 14 or 15, they don't think something like, oh, she's probably going to like break my heart or be a bitch or she's, this isn't real or she's not going to like me. And they don't think that before they date the woman either. Like when they see a pretty girl in English class, they think something like, oh, wow, I'd really 
really like to date her. I bet she would be a good girlfriend, you know? And of course they think, you know, they're X-rated thoughts too because they're pubescent boys, but they also think these nice thoughts, you know? And the guys that grew up though, hearing like a lot of bad stuff or observing a lot of bad stuff about women, relationships, or sex, they don't. They think, they see the hot girl in English class and they feel attraction, but also fear slash dislike. And they're like, I bet she's a real bitch you know, and, or, and, and, uh, I, I, I bet that she would never go for me. I bet she's the kind of girl, and you see a lot of this stuff on, like, the incel forums, you know, and I've talked about incels before, as, like, kind of extreme attachment issues and confidence issues in guys. It stands for involuntary, involuntarily celibate, and it's these, these guys that go around, um, being very upset that, that women only like attractive men, they think, I don't know, etc. You could Google it. But anyway, um, and one of them got very famous, which is why this term got mainstream. One of them got very famous for trying, I think, to kill and possibly succeeding in killing a, a girl that rejected him when he asked her to go to the prom or something like that. Um, but anyway, so these guys are going to see a hot girl in English class and think bad things. And those things are going to make him seem a little bit jumpy and weird around her. She's not going to go for him. You know, whereas if he looked exactly the same way, uh, but acted different, she might. You know, if he just was kind of like a nice, semi-confident guy. Of course, every young person isn't super confident yet, but the ones who were raised in happy homes are more confident about their ability to at least speak to somebody of the opposite sex and potentially, you know, have some sort of a mutually, uh, uh, you know, nice and affirming interaction with them. So the guys who are late bloomers are almost always guys who grew up in ho- in houses where they were trained to be negative toward relationships or sex. So sometimes they're like super religious houses. So like um, sex was totally off the table. You weren't supposed to have premarital sex. They were hearing all terrible things about premarital sex. Well, then it's really hard to kind of, you know, many of those guys philosophically repudiated religion by college years, but then it was really hard to get rid of those ideas about sex is bad, girls that have sex with you are slutty and uh you know nice girls are virgins and and all of this stuff I mean I've said a lot that a lot of the people that I get in counseling are people who were raised to um wait until marriage and then their sex life is pretty terrible you know um at least at first because they have no idea what they're doing and this should not be any sort of surprise because you need practice and confidence to you know really achieve any sort of closeness in bed and these people had neither so anyway so the late bloomers in marriage frequently have a lot of problems with their wives because their wives are like basically like why do you have so many confidence issues like what is the deal with your self-esteem I thought that we're living like a nice life I thought that like you're happy you have a job we have kids like I'm happy like why are you never happy sometimes these guys want to do a lot of crazy shit in bed because they feel like they never got to and so they want to catch up and they want to make up for lost time which certainly the 
woman does not want to do because she correctly feels that it's not about her. It's about just literally him checking some stuff off his bucket list. So, you know, uh, the woman feels the same as if she said to the guy, you know what I really want to do, what I really want? I want you to like work like an extra job so that you could buy me like this car that I've always wanted. But like, you know, it's cool. Like, you know, you just have two jobs, you know, because I really want a Range Rover. So like, I think that's fair, which of course, like it's very, very similar the feeling when a guy is like basically I he says implicitly or explicitly I never got to do enough stuff so now I want to check off everything that I've seen in porn and now that brings me to another issue which is that these late bloomers had a hell of a lot of years where their only experience was with porn and I've talked a lot about how that can um, make an exposure to porn that's extremely heavy certainly can make a guy you know, not really understand what sex is like and think that women only supposed to act a certain way and respond a certain way and everything is about, you know, um, having this kind of really, you know, porny sex that women hate and you know so then they get kind of caught up in in the whole um idealization and devaluation of women because there are these super hot women but they're only behind the screen and you can't get to them and they're sluts and it you know it's, it's really bad for like a guy who doesn't have a young man who has no high school girlfriend or real life experience with sex with women to be in like a tunnel of porn like all the time that they just descend into basically for hours a night is like really bad for mental health and it sets the guy up for these massively unrealistic expectations of his later uh, wife. So that, that, that is a really big thing. And also a lot of these guys are tempted to cheat later on because they get attractive and they are, you know, like they were probably always attractive, but again, they acted kind of jumpy and nervous and, and, you know, they were, they were, uh, very, very not confident and now they're more confident because they're grown men. And so they are exactly who is is at, at very high risk of cheating because they have never had the experience of confidently walking into a room, having a woman smile at you. Maybe you start talking to them and then you go up to the hotel and have sex, you know, to their room. Like, so on a conference or something, if that were to happen to a man who is a late bloomer, he would be at much higher risk for possibly cheating than another guy. Because if he still has a lot of this conflict and kind of... Uh, resentment and bitterness over what he thinks of as these lost years, you know, then he wants to, again, make up for lost time. And this then the resentment he feels toward his wife, who cannot be multiple porn stars, but is just one person. He feels like she's not doing enough in bed. She doesn't care enough about him, about him experiencing things. And she's not like porn after all. And so then you could see how this makes like a very, very um, perfect alignment of stars here for him to cheat. So that that is a possibility as well. And also the porn addiction frequently continues into marriage, particularly if the man is then disappointed disappointed by his marital sex life and then feels very hopeless uh, feels kind of like he never got to have sex in his in you know in the ways that he wanted to and now he's never going to
So then it can become very, very hopeless. Now, couples counseling is ideal, uh, and individual counseling, certainly for the guy, but both kinds of counseling are really good because when somebody is feeling resentful, hopeless, conflicted, angry, I mean, that that does not make them a good partner, you know, and uh, they could be depressed. There's like a lot of stuff that the guy probably has to work through in terms of resolving his issues from adolescence and from that stage, and it's frequently coupled with anger about his family life and that he had no template and he had no shot and they shove these uh attitudes about sex and marriage and whatever down his throat there's like a lot of stuff going on so individual therapy can be useful couples counseling can be helpful as well and also even just kind of um therapy that's geared toward accepting like how that this is that what how the guy feels but that it's really not what he thinks. Most people are not going through life like they're on, you know, some kind of uh, episode of 90210 or Brandon Walsh was with a different girl every weekend. Like that isn't what most guys' high school life is like. But if you're a late bloomer, you kind of idealize this this whole like uh, player lifestyle or whatever. And you think basically everybody was doing that except for you. And um, that so, – so even just having some basic knowledge knowledge and awareness about the actuality of, of what other people's lives are like. So frequently, for example, I, I talk to guys who had this situation and I say, well, you know what the average amount of sexual partners is for a person? It's seven. And they're like, what? Like I thought it was like 40, you know? No, it's not 40, you know? It's like seven. And frequently these guys had seven, you know, because after they stopped being a late bloomer, they had seven or maybe they had four or maybe they only had one. But you know what? The average of seven minus one is a lot different than if they think that the average is like 40. <laughs> you know, you're not 39 women different than everybody else. Else. And so even just basic awareness of how this late bloomer depressive kind of uh, thought process can impact you from seeing reality can be very useful in and of itself. Um, I have a lot more, not, I mean, I think I covered a lot, but I certainly have more that I wrote about this in my post on late bloomers. You can just always Google anything on drpsychmom.com. And um, if somebody's going to ask about late blooming women, I review that a little bit in the post. Women don't usually come to me with tremendous dissatisfaction about um, <clears throat> about having been a late bloomer. That's not to say that women don't say that they wish they sl- that they slept with more people. They frequently do um, because they just wish that they had more fun, you know, or that they had pursued some crush or something like that. This is like a human nature thing. Women are human, so both both genders often feel like they should have taken more opportunities, should have been more carefree, should have enjoyed life more when they were young. And there's a, 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 this is more prevalent, obviously, in people who struggle with more depression because people who are depressed seem to like see life as a string of missed opportunities. So if this exemplifies your general outlook, then it wouldn't be a bad idea to get assessed for depression in general because no, every single human does not look back at their uh, early years with a mix of resentment, anger, bitterness, and, you know, disgust and, and a healthy dollop of like self-degradation. That is not normal. That means that you're struggling with depression most likely. And unresolved childhood trauma, I would I would really wager. All right, so um, hopefully this was useful for you guys. Please do subscribe. Uh, there's going to be over 90 subscriber episodes now. Follow me on all social media and I'll talk to you all soon.